as flies to wanton boys, we are for the gods. They kill us for the sport. Soon the science will not only be able to slow down the aging of the cells, soon the science will, be, will fix the cells to the state. And so we will become eternal. Only accidents, crimes, wars will still kill us. But unfortunately, crimes and wars will multiply. I love football. Thank you. Hello and welcome back to the What The Fork Happened this week podcast in association with Viper Goalkeeping. It's been one of those funny international weekends for a few of us. And whilst Sunderland did play, there's been few and far between when it comes to pretty much every other team. Um, before we go into anything, obviously you may have noticed that Connor's not with us again. Um, we just really want to wish his, his little boy Max well. He's, he's not been too grand over the weekend and I think a lot of people are up to date with the story. So we just kind of want to wish Max and obviously Connor and his, his uh, girlfriend, wife, I should probably know that, um, as, as best, uh, best, best, best luck really at the minute and hope that they're both doing fine um, and hopefully they'll be able to join us soon. And also a massive thanks to everyone for just buying the league catamull badges that me and Scott made, or should I say Scott made and I punted. Um, we made, I think, over £200 for the Great North Children's Hospital. Is that right, just about? Yeah, I just about, and then I've uh, probably got another 50 coming at the end of April, so we'll hope to make the same again. And if we do, then uh, I'll top that up to 500 using one of the Scotland badges that's going on sale tomorrow as well. Nice, awesome. And Lee Catmull is, uh, people say he's Marmite, but there's evidence that he's not Marmite by the fact they sold out in two hours, I think, those pin badges. But anyway, on to today's show. Uh, we do have a special guest this week, unlike last week, but um, before I introduce him, I'll let you know which of the rest of the rabble decided to turn up this week. Um, we've got Scott, who might be shouting the words fuck or bugger because he's watching Scotland. Um, Scott, how are you doing? Are you all right? I'm not too bad, mate. How are you? Aye, decent. It's just uh, obviously you'll know this, but the weather is absolutely horrific. So there's probably going to be loads of wind coming through on this podcast at some point, but uh, fingers crossed it doesn't <laughs> and it calms down a bit. Um, Ian, how are you doing? You all right? Yeah, yeah, I'm fine, mate. Um, I know what you mean about um, the, the wind that's just really picking up where I am. But, uh, yeah, I'm sound. I think, I think that the Scottish term is it's blowing a hooli, isn't it? Is that right? <laughs> well, it's meant to get worse, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how it could get worse, honestly. The church over the road from mine looks like it's going to fall down. Um, <laughs> it's quite a nice church as well. Uh, Jack, you've, you've turned up again. Thank you very much. How are you doing? Are you all right? Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm well. I'm doing all right. How's everyone? Everyone all right? Yeah, just lockdown life, isn't it? Same old. It's like, I wonder, if it, I wonder, wonder when the first podcast will be when you go, yeah, there's no lockdown. I'm, I'm fantastic. I can go outside and go on holiday and drink a pint and do all that stuff. Feels like it's a, just a forever lockdown. A momentous moment, that one. Oh, 2029, here we come. Um, <laughs> and of course, as I said, we do have a, a special guest this week. Now, I did say that Tom White was the best looking Sky Sports presenter when we had him on. So <laughs> I don't want to lie on a recorded podcast. So the second best. Sky Sports News presenter, Ed Draper. How are you doing? Are you all right? Yeah, I'm good, Graham. Thanks for having me along. It's, it's an honour and honour to be called a, a special guest as well. When we said we'd come on it this week, I'd forgotten that it was actually pretty light on football. So I've been covering Formula One, cricket, 
bit of golf over the weekend. So I've been scratching my brain to fill out the uh, the football scenarios, but hopefully I'll have, um, I'll have some interesting answers for you cobbled together. I was going to say, when it comes to the, uh, the, the the things that we look at, I think we watch football every single week and we still kind of struggle to put answers together. So you're, you're in the same boat as the rest of us. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been, a stra- it's been a strange old Sunday, but there's been enough football around to, to keep us ticking over just about. Yeah, just just enough, just enough, I think. Um, I'll come to you first, Scott, um, as I normally always do. We'll start with, um, oh, we'll go with your hero of the week. Who's your hero of the week, Scott? Hero of the week is a topical one, uh, since I'm watching Scotland game now, but it's, uh, it's Scott McTominay. Right, and there's not really a reason for it. I, I just Scott love him. Scott McTominay. Nah, 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 yeah. You know, sacked off England to play for Scotland. <laughs> um, no, but because we're really struggling in midfield, Scott, right now we're really struggling we're, in midfield. <laughs> so we, we should have uh, David Turnbull. David Turnbull should be playing in beside him, hundred um, percent. But no, it's just you know, I've been critical in the past of Scotland teams where we have had players like David Turnbull, for example, uh, playing in the Scottish leagues who've been overlooked for players or who were born. In, in England, getting the uh, space in the squad, but Scott McTominay just like he just he loves playing for Scotland. Like, you can just see the passion. Uh, it's literally just like he's a fan playing for Scotland, and I just absolutely love that. He gives his all um, every game. He's just brilliant. I just I just love him. I think I've got a crush on him a wee bit, to be honest. That, I was going to yeah. say, it kind of sounds like you might. I mean, there's nothing just, wrong with fancying him. Bit. He's no. a good-looking bloke. He's tall. He's <laughs> I mean, strong. Um, mm, just like don't don't tell Rambo that, but um, <laughs> no, like it uh, could could be true, eh? To be fair, Rambo Rambo did post it almost nude the other week when Sunderland won in the cup final. So to be fair, Rambo Rambo gives you more. So Rambo is still your number one. Absolutely, Simon Ramson to the rest of us and everyone else. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm all right with Scott McTominay. I'll let you away with that one. I'll give you Scott McTominay as hero of the week. Um, since he's English, I'll let you have Good. that one. Um, Isn't a choice anyway. No, um, Ian, who's your your hero of the week, my man? Um, right. Well, as as you may know, there is a cat sitting on my notes. Uh, so <laughs> I will just move <laughs> the cat. Come on, on you go. Uh, oh yeah, right. So a real. Um, they're sort of serious, they start from me. I am afraid, however, quite a um, inspiring um, their sort of story. So, th- so this is actually just to go out to Steve, their, their Walters, uh, their and Paul, um, their sort of Stuart and, and all of the other people involved in the um, their sort of documentary. Um, they're about, you know, football's hidden... Um, Football's dark yeah. secret, I think yeah. it was called, wasn't it? Yeah, sort yeah. of abuse, yeah, scandal, yeah. Um, you know, and these guys have been working at this for so long and so long, and it's, you know, it's finally coming out now. And, uh, yeah, so I just want to say a big, big there, thanks there for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think I think a lot of people have watched it. And um, I was really lucky enough to interview Paul Stewart a couple of years ago and, a really lovely fella who obviously had been affected by what had happened to him. And I know, I know we like to do lighthearted and I know we've gone serious in the past few weeks of certain things, but again, like we, we were last week with the, the situation of, of racism, I think there's certain things that, you know, are more important than whether we have banter on a podcast. So I'm, I'm fully with you on that, Ian. I think they're all, they're all heroes for being strong enough to come out and, and speak out against that. I think it's a, 
I, I think they're all fantastic. I absolutely agree with you. And, and Paul, um, in my experience, in the very limited hour or so that I've had with him, was a fantastic bloke. Um, really, really honest about his time at Sunderland when I spoke to him and, and really, really honest about his career and a fantastic player on his day as well. Um, so yeah. <laughs> a really fantastic player, obviously, yeah. England international. Um, Jack, who's your, uh, your hero of the week? Um, my hero of the week is Dillian White, um, who boxed last night. I thought, because I like to go off field, with, you know, as you know, with different sports. And, um, You're always off field, that consistently. Matt Hancock's your consistent villain of the week. And <laughs> something that is cricket or not football is your... I'm starting to question if you even like football, Jack. <laughs> well, I, 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 I like a wide range of sports, and particularly this week, as we've already touched on, there hasn't been a great deal of football going on, has there? I mean, the internationals... I'm not a huge fan of internationals. I do watch them, you know, and I try to get them, but I really do miss the club football. But um, Gillian White last night, I felt um, against Povetkin, um, he was, he, I wouldn't say his career was on the line, but it was really a turning point for him because I thought if he lost the fight, he wouldn't really have had anywhere to really go. Um, and he fought last night and put on an excellent performance, stopped Povetkin early on. Uh, uh, he had him down in the first round, and I think it was the third or fourth round he got the stoppage and really put on a show. Um got his career back on track, you know, for following the loss. And um, it was good to watch because I had more football and so I really enjoyed getting into boxing last night. So he was my hero. I'm so out of touch with boxing that, like, I was really shocked to find that Prince Nassim Hamed is not a boxer anymore. And he's actually... Actually, I'll go back there, Grim. Like 20 years. Yeah. Well, I used to think he was great when I was a kid. He was this little guy with a little shuffle and he used to take the mick out the other guys. Then I seen a photo of him and, like, there's nothing wrong with it, but he's... He looks different, um, which I suppose happens when you're not boxing every day, and you know that's fine. But he looks Prince different. Nassim. Prince Nassim's ring walk used to be unbelievable as well. He used to come in and like a magic carpet. One of them, I don't know if you remember that when one oh, of his used to lift him up and that, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. and then he used to do the backflip over the top rope, and yeah, he used to. He's, watching him come to the ring was almost as interesting as his fights. <laughs> to be fair, with boxing, I know I'm a little bit out of touch. Um, with it, well, to an extent, I know Tyson Fury boxes, and I know he looks an awful lot like Scott as well. Um, but when it comes to, to boxing, I'll, I'll never forget watching, I think it was Lennox Lewis and Evander Holyfield, and I was disgusted that he didn't win the first time round. I went absolutely um, mad, I think it was about 15, yeah. shocking, but um, I quite liked Lennox Lewis, I thought he was great. And there's, I've seen a lot of Frank Bruno on the telly recently, turns out he's retired as well. <laughs> there you go, just a bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, Happens. of course, we're going to we're going to Ed. Ed, who's your hero of the week? I'm I'm intrigued. Well, I was going to say um, off the back of that, Francis Ngannou, the new UFC heavyweight champion. But I'll um, I'll keep I'll stick to football and probably uh, break your heart. Well, I know you won over the weekend, Sunderland, but Johnson Clark Harris for Peterborough had another hat trick in there, seven nil win. Another posher giving your Black Cats a good run for the money in promotion. It sounds like that was one of the performances of the weekend in League One and Two. I think with, with Peterborough, it's a funny one because I was on a, a stream yesterday. I'm doing something with the, the Sunderland Echo where we're streaming a couple of the games. And I think at the, like the first 10 minutes, we were talking about Sunderland's promotion push. And I went, ah, Sunderland are going to be fine because Peterborough will just bottle it anyway, like they <laughs> always do. And then like I think 30 minutes later, like the host was like, and that's 5-0 uh, to, to Peterborough. <laughs> and I was like, oh, but I, I'm going to say on record, I still think they'll bottle it. Something they're still going to go up. So they can have they can have this week, Ed, but they're not allowed <laughs> anymore. They've got a bottle at some point. Ian, you might both go up. <laughs> well, yes. I fancy holding us. I think we'll win the league, obviously, because mm. I'm supremely confident. But Ian, you were you had your, your hand up there. <laughs> I just think um I just think that 
Andy Hull actually loves having um, the Sunderland in their League One so much that uh, that um, that's why they won seven 0 yesterday. <laughs> well, I said I was listening to D three D four this morning, and like I think one of the guys had watched the the posh Accrington game, and they said, "Oh, why why did Peterborough like why were Peterborough so good and so ruthless?" And he was like, "Well, they're a good team, but like once they scored the third one before half time, Accrington just give up." They just stop playing. Like, um, yeah, we'll let you have that one, Ed. Um, it's a rocky start since it's technically <laughs> going against them. But I'll let, I'll let you have that one. That's fine. I'm not sure Tom White would have would, would have said the same, but there you go. To be fair, at least your mic's working. At least your mic's working. Tom's mic never works when he comes on this one. He always... Oh, really? Yeah, he has a good two minutes worth of silence, which is five. It's fine. It's kind of... It's got its benefits, I guess. No offence. He needs, needs, needs a floor manager at work to sort him out, you see. Without that, he's, he's helpless. Without a teleprompter, he's hopeless. Um, absolutely <laughs> hopeless. Um, my hero of the week. Um, oh, I've kind of just realised. I write for the Edinburgh Evening News, and I've kind of just realised I've done something that's anti-hearts. Whoops! But it's always mm. nice to see an underdog win, unless it's against your team. And I do like a bit of hearts. But Brora Rangers, um, who haven't played in about forty years. Are trained for 105 years allegedly. If depending on which Twitter account that you read, uh, going and beating Hearts, who were like one of the biggest teams in one of the biggest teams in Scotland. I thought that was great to see. And um, Scott, how did you take the the Brora win? Do you like seeing that kind of thing? Hey, I so I said that was my a Scottish moment of the week, and for the reasons that you said, Graham, is that when we, when we looked at. After the game, they've only trained five times. They're part-time as it is. They've only trained five times since October. They've played one friendly. A number of their players couldn't train because although they're in uh, Brora, I believe that they train further south. Uh, so some of their players are actually dotted around the country. I know that's sort of quite common for a lot of the sort of lower leagues in Scotland is that they don't train you know, at their kind of home ground or in the local area. Um, so for them... To have not trained, not be match fit, and things like that, you know, I think it's it's great. I, I don't say really that I'm an advocate of giant killings because um, Motherwell are playing uh, for Martin United of the Highland League on Saturday <laughs> in the next round of the Scottish Cup, so I'm not coming on here tonight saying that. I love uh, a giant killing. I, I love, love a giant killing because we know what will be happening next Sunday. I'll be sitting here absolutely raging uh, when that happens. But no, do you know? given the story and, you know, how much they've not trained and stuff like that, to go and do that. We do like to see it, but obviously not when it's against their own team, obviously. Yeah, Hopefully. I mean, I was trying to think of the last time Sunland had a real giant kill, and I kind of came up with too many for for me to be comfortable with giant killings. Obviously, mm-hmm. technically, Sunland lead 73 was kind of one because Leeds were all conquering and Sunland, well, weren't. Um, and we're division below, but I'm thinking the worst I think I remember, and Jack, you might recall this, and Ian, you might recall this, was Brentford, DJ Campbell on a January game. I remember DJ Campbell being so fast that Gary Breen looked like he was going to retire. I remember, um, <laughs> I, do you remember when we played um, Bury as well, Graham, in the League Cup? I was um, there, yes. I know it wasn't, I know it's not FA Cup, but when I think, was Nell Quinn still the manager, when Nell Quinn was manager chairman, I think he drove the bus, he was doing about four different roles. Did everything, yeah, he was booking uh, we taxis for to, fans to get there exactly, and everything. We went down to Bury and I think Bury, they were either bottom of League 2. They were bottom of League 2. They were bottom of, I knew they were either 91st or 92nd and I, it wasn't just that they beat us, I think they beat us about 3-0, didn't it? It was like... It was 2 now, but we got, um, but we'd signed, because we'd played South End, because I'd spent... 
Oh, this is a bad. I've got P, like PTSD from this. Honestly, I went down to South End beforehand. Like on the Saturday, we played South End, and I got the bus down. I got the uh, Jarrah bus down, which is always good fun. But I got beat three one off South End, and our goal came in the 90th minute, and it was John Stead. Um, and I kind of went right. I'm not a proper fan if I don't go and see us play Berry, because if I don't go to see us play Berry, who are bottom of the league two, I'm not a proper fan. I'm a scumbag. I went down and um, I remember Vieira was like the only the only shining light from that South End game, the former captain of Barcelona B, Arnu Vieira, and he got sent off after three minutes against Berry for elbowing one of their players in the face and we're never seeing him ever again. And he ended up playing for Falkirk, I think, and uh, we got beat 2-0 off Berry. And I remember the players getting absolutely barracked. And lo and behold, in typical Sunderland fashion, we won the league that year. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think Roy Keane might have had something to do with that. Um, Just a bit. <laughs> godly Roy Keane. Here's a question for you, Jack. Obviously, we like to veer off on certain things. Uh, it's quite evident that we're both Sunderland fans, but we're on the different side of the fence with the old firm. Uh, I'm Rangers, you're Celtic. I've seen scary links. Scary to me because I love him. Uh, Roy Keane going to Celtic. What, what are your thoughts on Keane going to Celtic as a Sunderland fan? I'm not in favour of it, to be fair. I think Roy... <laughs> I'd love him to go up there and do absolutely brilliantly well, but I've just got a feeling that we'll go, you know, dipped up. You know what I mean? I've got a feeling that will all go wrong. So, and in terms of putting my Celtic head on, I think there are better options out there for Celtic. Um, so I'm not really in favour. I mean, it would be great, like get in because I, I love Roy Keane and bits. I love his punditry. I love him when he was at Sunderland. I thought he was a great player for Man United. So in terms of that, I don't want to tarnish that. You know what I mean? Like he did really well with mm. Sunderland, and I think if he went to Celtic and didn't do well, I think it would kind of be a bit like. You know what I mean? So I would rather, I, I don't really want him to go up there. Did you see him the other week when the, uh, <laughs> the set, do you have any congratulations for Rangers? And he went, uh, no. And I kind of, for me, if I was a Celtic fan, I'd be like, yeah, get him in. That's kind of worth it. He's, he's stoking it up already. I, yeah. I would like to see him go. Um, I think I've told everyone this, but obviously I've been having my house renovated and everyone that's came in the door to renovate has been a, a Celtic fan. Um, and every single Celtic fan that's came in has said more or less the same about Roy Keane and I've been a massive advocate of him going there but then I realise then I'd have to kind of be anti-Roy Keane which I'm not comfortable with so yeah I think if we don't go like just get someone like Paul Lambert someone who I don't like in the first place that would be fine yeah, no I don't want him either like, I was thinking more Eddie Howe to be fair for Celtic or someone like that not Paul Lambert Eddie Howe I kind of see Eddie Howe Eddie Howe's too too English for the old firm and I know that top, sounds a bit weird but too English for the old firm he was talking with Rafa, talk with Rafa at one point Graham a couple of weeks ago Rafa Benita I don't think he'll go there like. I'd love Rafa no, to go I'd love Rafa to go just for the sheer shock <laughs> on every Newcastle fan's face of being like no not what Rafa it'd be it'd be worth its weight in gold that one um my probably my favorite one of the week the one I always like asking which probably tells you a little bit of an insight into my mind Scott who's your um who, I was gonna say who's your villain of the week but it looks like who was the villain a couple of minutes ago because you were on mute and shouting at the telly uh I know it was nearly a particular villain it was just a uh, Lyndon Dykes ball came across, but it took a deflection off the Israeli player's shin and bobbled out to safety. So I wasn't really angry at anybody. I was just uh, getting a bit excited that we might get in the six-yard box. No score a goal, just that we might get in the, the six-yard box. Has Lyndon Dykes got the most bizarre, like, whacked-out accent you've ever heard in your life, or is it just me? It's just because he's Australian, isn't it? That's why. He's, like, it's just... he's like Australian Dumfries, which is just Austra- the most... <laughs> <laughs> like... 
I don't even know um, how that sort of happens. Um, I mean, I, obviously, I could read the story and find out, but his accent is like, and now whenever someone says Lyndon Dykes, I just have to say in that accent that Lyndon Dykes, because it's just like weirdly <laughs> Scottish, weirdly Australian. It's like, make your mind up because I'm confused. Um, please adjust your accent to my settings, please. Which is, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so your villain of the week is not Lyndon like Scott, but who, no, who, who no, would it be? Uh, oh, I, I don't know if, Jack, uh, if Jack's going to be angry at me this week, but it's, it's Matt Hancock. <laughs> oh. I, um, Not because I don't agree with it, just because that's Jack's man. man. I, I know, I, I know, I know, and I think you owe me some some form of payment for that. Like I think you're uh, my man. Like, it's like it's like when you play Monopoly and you you've landed on Jack's house. Aye, exactly, exactly. <laughs> that. You know, like I, so when I was thinking about it, I just I went round the houses thinking who else could it be, and then every time I just came back to him because it just made me so angry. Like it just made me so raging. If you, really, Matt- if you really go around those houses, though, and think, if you start delving in the world of politics, which is why I stay away from it on the podcast when it comes to villain, if you really start looking into it, you just keep going back to him. It's, it's, it's not even a political thing. It's actually a sport thing for a change. It is He's a Newcastle a fan. Thing. He's a Newcastle uh, fan, so, well, yeah. There's one, right? There's the, the biggest other thing problem. is, I don't know, did you see him the other night, the picture of him? I think you guys seen it because I think I've like been posting it in the group chat at every opportunity when he was like holding the salt tire before Scotland played France in the Six Nations. Right. <laughs> now that that wound me up more than it should, right? Because obviously like you you guys know me. I'm I'm a proud Scotsman. I will support Scotland at Tiddlywinks, right? And uh, honestly, and I know that generally speaking, we are shite at football, we are shite at rugby, we're shite at tiddlywinks as well, right? But you know what annoys me? See, when you get things like that, and it, it got me thinking about it, is why, and I know that, that was like, there's a political aspect to that as well, but why do we all have to be pals, right? So, I mean, why, why do we have to be pals? See, when England play, right, and I'll probably get slaughtered for this, I want England to get pumped every time they play, whether it's Germany or Faroe Islands. And do you know why that is? That's because I love the rivalry involved in football. See with you guys, I know fine well, 19th of June, whenever it is, I'm probably going to get slaughtered because England will probably beat us at Wembley. And do you know what? I'll take that because that's what football's all about. And see if it came to a point where the World Cup was decided in points, right? And Scotland only, Scotland needed England to beat France, let's say, for Scotland to win the World Cup. You still wouldn't see me waving an England flag. You would still probably see me going, I want France to win because that's our rivals. And it just annoyed me when he's like, yeah, he's we Scotland flag. As you can tell, you know, I'm it? going full Cal Pilkington. What was the purpose of it? Because I just seen it and went, ha. Huh. Because obviously, um, Gov is, uh, went to Union, I think. Tony Blair, obviously there are a few politicians do, I believe. Um, obviously, no one's talking Glasgow's miles better. Um, but why did he have this all time? Why did he have that? Well, I'm not 100% sure. I think what makes me think that it was that an even bigger political stunt was because obviously if Scotland won, which we did, then it would hand the tournament to Wales. Mm. So then you've got Scotland, so you've got Matt Hancock waving a Scotland flag because Wales are going to win the tournament. I mean, is there anything more, could he have done anything more British other than like just come out wearing a spinning Union Jack bow tie? Like, <laughs> yes, let's beat the French. Let's sort them out. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just, no, no, I'm just, I'm not having it. I can't, I just can't deal with it. 
just when when the 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 be kind hashtag comes back around next year when everyone decides to be nice again scott's <laughs> going to be like why do we have to be pals <laughs> why do we have trouble. to be pals just think how how shite it would be like if you were just like all the time like oh like one of my one of my best pals is a Hamilton Aki's fan, right? And obviously that's our big rivals. Imagine how shite it would be if it was just like Motherwell played Aki's a few weeks ago. They absolutely scudded us if he just came around, shook my hand, and went, "Well, unlucky old bean." <laughs> I'm expecting to be slaughtered for at least <laughs> until we play them again, which I have been to be fair until we play them in two weeks' time. And that's what it's about. That's what sports about. That's what football is about. So none of this pretending to support other teams, man. That's it's not for me. And that also is a villain. There's people who do that. So there's two villains for the price of one. We should never ask. Jack, who's your uh, who's your villain of the week? Well, it's not my my Hancock. It might have been. I was toying with the idea, but uh, we've already had it. You know, touched on, not just touched on, really covered fantastically by Scott. And in fact, in, in terms of in terms of anti Matt Hancock, I don't think I'll ever be able to beat that. What I've just heard from Scott, so I'm considering never using Matt Hancock again as my villain because I don't think that can be beaten. To be fair, <laughs> no, I mean he will be my villain at some point, no doubt. Um, my villain of the week, unfortunately, there's been another, I say another because it's happening so so regularly, there's been another instance of um, players getting racially abused on Twitter and this time it's two Wales players. Every so, week, um, it? It's getting yeah, ridiculous, man. Ben, ben Cabango and Rabbi Matondo, um, who, I mean, Wales actually won the match. That Wales beat Mexico 1-0 um, and yet they're still getting you know racial abuse. And it just seems like, it's it's constant now. It's nearly every weekend, and people are saying why why are we still you know doing the the, the knee you know um you know you know holding the knee and, and and going down on the knee and it's like well that's that that's why that's why people are taking the knee because it's happening so regularly now that it's almost becoming like a yeah, it's happening again to get on with the type thing and it's like it mustn't ever be just yeah it's happening again deal with it it needs to be driven out and I think it's it's difficult to police social media I'm, I love social media I'm on Twitter as much as anyone here, do you know what I mean? I think it's a fantastic tool. But the one downside to, to social media is this, this it makes it too it makes players too accessible for this type of abuse and just, it, it winds us up. It really does wind me up. So, a, you know, there was a Stoke player that was um, racially abused as well. On, on that subject, um, what was probably the most damning thing um, about that situation that we're finding ourselves in on a weekly basis, I think, um, or we're finding is a, a talking point unfortunately, on a, a weekly, almost daily basis. Um, I've got a few friends who've obviously suffered that sort of thing as well. And I said, like, wh- why do you think it's so prevalent um, nowadays than, you know, it, it was pre- like, what has made this accelerate? And the answer was actually quite heartbreaking that he, he gave back. He said, it's always been like that. We're just speaking up about it more. And I was like, so yeah, I mean, yeah, always villain of the week uh, when it comes to, to racism. It's just for whatever reason you do it, attention, general prejudice, or just being an idiot. Just but it just seems to be more over the last the last six six nine months or so. Graham, mm-hmm. I don't know whether it's lockdown. People are people are on social media more, or and you know not getting out as much, so they've got more time to you know air the horrible views, or whether it's the platform itself, you know Twitter and Facebook, wherever. Whether it's their they play a responsibility in terms of people being able to be hidden online, do you know what I mean? And not being accountable for what they're saying and what they're doing. Uh, but it's just, it's becoming too prevalent and it's, it's 
it's just not on, is it? It's social social media. Like, I mean, we're, we're talking about racism there, but like, um, um, maybe maybe a difficult question to, to ask you here, Ed. But um, obviously, because you're m- much more of a public figure than all four of us put together, I imagine you get your your sort of fair share occasionally of unsavory stuff. Um, do, do you kind of get a lot of stuff coming at you as well? I think you're overhyping me a bit there, but um, I'm actually I'm I'm actually really lucky. Like, I've got a modest social media following but I have to say most of it's grown up particularly on Twitter over the last 10-12 years just having conversations about football and I think when you speak to colleagues there is a big difference whether it's just being in this country or to be different in another country but if you're a white bloke the reality is you get you get some nasty comments maybe called big ears or, or something like that but you don't get anything malicious whereas female colleagues and black colleagues have got a lot more severe stuff and I don't know whether that's just because a lot of the blokes on there are white blokes and wouldn't have, you know wouldn't kind of uh, criticize me for being a white bloke or, or or see that as a hate angle but I think it's an interesting one for football but it's obviously a concerning one for football whether there is a unified approach had Thierry Henry who's come off it this weekend as a, a protest but whether football you'd have to have a you know huge following of people who left it and obviously footballers would would come under that the broadcasters maybe the whole kit and caboodle all the clubs because then you're looking at hurting the social media platforms where it would really hit them in the in the financial pocket because they'd lose a lot of advertising revenue a lot of eyeballs would be off their platform because people wouldn't be following them so I think maybe maybe that is the recourse maybe it's algorithms to pick up expletives hate terms that kind of stuff but yeah I've been relatively lucky there's been a few things that some people get unnecessarily personal and argumentative about but I think as you get older you hopefully get less attached to your opinions don't you and if someone has a different one I just go fair enough you know that's absolutely fine and and move on but yeah kind of angry opinion is as far as I've got it fortunately for the most part you touched on Thierry Henry there I really liked what he did this week I wish it wasn't necessary don't get me wrong but I quite liked the fact that he was just like no I'm going to just come off because like you're not doing anything um, and we kind of touched on it on last week's podcast, didn't we, Scott, when we said um, how a lot of the Scottish teams had stopped taking the knee and they all stood up um, because they felt, basically, I think, I can't remember which player it was that said it, so I don't want to attribute a quote to anyone and, and get it wrong, but I think they said that it was, taking the knee was becoming an empty gesture. Actually, it was James Tavernier um, that it was becoming an, uh, an empty gesture, so therefore it was a case of, like, well, we'll do this instead. Um, but I, I guess social media is kind of hard to police. In, in a way, um, I think probably, and maybe goes back to what we said about Slavia Prague last week, doesn't it, Scott? When we said, um, I think it needs to be no tolerance. Like, I, I, people, some people have said to me they think it's a little bit harsh. Um, some people have agreed with me 100% about banning the player entirely from football who racially abused um, Grand Camera. I don't think, I, I mean, People talk about not having any proof. Like, show me the proof that he didn't do that because I think there's more evidence that he did. Um, I think if you banned him completely and you started doing heavier, harsher things, um, I, I, I can't think, I can't remember who, I don't think it's attributed to anyone in particular, but um, like the when Make America Great became a big thing, I think someone said it, it should be changed, like make racists afraid again. I think it's becoming probably too easy to have a kind of, racist opinion that it's allowing people who have got those beliefs to actually come out alongside the idiots that just want attention i think either way boot them off the platform uh, get rid of them no tolerance policy you're banned continuously forever as soon as you put anything like that on there and yeah there'll be 
one or two things where people get banned for stuff and they'll complain about it and they'll whinge about it. But I think if you say anything risky, you get you're gonna have to just go off. You're just gonna have to go off social media. And if you say anything on a football pitch, a rugby pitch, wherever, yeah, just get banned forevermore. Um, Ed, who who is your villain of the week? I kind of totally forgot to ask you that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's all right. Yeah, it's um. It's a lot. It's a lot less uh, grave topic, but it's actually. I live in Cheltenham, and I know a lot of the Cheltenham boys um, and the manager Michael Duff. So it's Liam McAlinden who apparently got a rare start for Morecambe and scored the only goal against them in League Two this weekend, which knocked Cheltenham off the top. Cambridge United are there, so that was just uh, you know no no personal malice towards Liam McAlinden at all, but that was uh, a villainous moment for for me this weekend because Cheltenham are doing really well. Obviously, had the cup run do well against City, and it'd be great if they went up, they're kind of running, I think, speaking to people who run the coffers there on the money they got from Moisa a couple of years ago when they sold yeah. it to Bristol City. So it's quite a good story, like a lot of great stories at the bottom of the EFL. And the fact that they're still playing is is remarkable to me. So, um, yeah, it's a bit of a, a bad moment for, for Cheltenham at Morecambe. It was a million pound, wasn't it, for Moisa? He went to Bristol City, then obviously went on to, to, to Peterborough. Yeah. I remember we were chasing him, if, if I remember rightly. I think Sunderland wanted him, but he ended up choosing... Obviously, Bristol City because of a division above, but he's he's obviously done quite well at Peterborough. I know Johnson Clark Harris is the one taking the mm. the headlines. But I was um before Portsmouth sacked uh, Ken, before they sacked a jacket, uh, before Kenny got his jacket um, <laughs> and left. Um, I was speaking to a Portsmouth fan who said his ideal choice for a jacket's replacement would have been Mike Duff. So they're, mm. they're starting to turn heads. Well, he's certainly starting to turn heads, especially, isn't he? Yeah, he's a really good guy. It's funny when you're with him. I think I've been with him a couple of times and um, Sean Dyche has rung on both occasions. So he's got quite a close relationship with Sean Dyche from the Burnley days. He's kind of got that that similar ethos of, of everyone pulls together, everyone works hard. And although they try and play football, to be fair, they try and play out from the back. They've been playing with wing backs. And he claims that I think Sheffield United borrowed some of his ideas with the centre-halves breaking forward. They've got a guy called Will Boyle who, who goes forward in open play from, from left centre-half. But yeah, he's doing, he's doing well, I suppose, as well. You wouldn't, begrudge him going he's a Cheltenham Town hero he got them up into the Football League 20 years ago before he ended up going up to the Premier League eventually with Burnley I think he's the only person to play in all ascending leagues for the top eight up to the Premier League so he's he's got a real sense when you speak to him of both the elite and that grassroots level and you know he's quite a sobering I guess um, sort of uh, counsellor for, for some of the younger kids at the lower end of football who are maybe like he said to me spending 700 quid a, you know on t-shirts when they when they're on 500 quid a week and things like that so I think he's He's been in the sort of limelight, but he's got he's quite a grounded guy, which would be good, yeah, for Pompey. Or but it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because when you move, you have got to move to the right club. As you talked about Roy Keane earlier, when he went to Ipswich, it it didn't work out too well and set him back a few years. I think with uh, with Mike Duff, the best thing I can remember about Mike Duff is he was absolutely class on Football Manager back in the day, or Championship Manager as it was. He was one of the best signings. Him and the guy who went to manage A United, Scott, help me out here. Who was the guy who went to manage? Um, a United, and he was an absolute legend on Football Manager. When was this? He recently got sacked. No, Mark Kerr. Mark Kerr, that's the guy, yes. I managed to buy a shirt um, from, I think it was Halley's Designs, which is in Hartlepool. Mm -hmm. He'd made a train spotting T-shirt, obviously the Choose Life T-shirt, and it was Choose Champman or One or Two. And instead of like Choose blah, 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 it was like Choose Kennedy back to Seagull, Choose Mike Duff. Choose, uh, choose, choose uh, Mark Kerr, all that kind of stuff. And it just brought back memories of how great of a game that was. Um, he, and, used to, uh, he used to bang in world. Is it, am I thinking of the Michael? Was he a right back? Did he used to play right back? 
He was like across the back, I think, Mike Duff was. He used, he? used to ping in worldies from about 30 yards out, didn't he? I'm not sure Mike Duff did, but he used to um, play across the, the back. Yeah, centre half, but he could play at rock full back and just oh, industrious. No nonsense, yeah. He was one of those players that kind of went on to become the Mike Duff that he was on Championship Manager as well, because he got all the way at the Premier League. He kind of did, he lived the Championship Manager lifestyle. Are you the Championship lifestyle. Manager or something yeah. tonight, Graham? Yeah. <laughs> Are you plugging it? No, I'm just, I'm just really good friends with Cherno Samba. Um, <laughs> Freddie Adu's coming up next. Oh, yeah. He's 45 now, Freddie. 45, jeez. No, I don't, I don't know. He's probably listed at sort of... 32, but I think he probably is 45. Right, probably 45. Um, <laughs> Scott, Scott, what was your goal of the week, mate? <laughs> uh, well, I've had a pretty busy week, so I've not seen a lot, an awful lot of football, and obviously we've been the internationals as well. So Don't start uh, the, on, the only one was going to be Meatball McGinn. Meatball, wasn't it? yeah. Meatball McGinn. You know, it's got to be, um, I mean, it's unlikely the Scottish guy is going to pick that goal, is it? But the reason is, you know, there's a couple of reasons why, though. Number one is that I didn't see it coming when the ball came back in. I looked away because I thought that's coming back out. I wasn't expecting that technique. It's one of those ones, I think, if you, if you strike that cleanly, that goes out for a throw-in. But the fact that he's sort of got something to it, which is put it over the line... But one of my pals texted me just after and said, do you remember the time you scored a goal like that at five, right? And it had me howling because it then reminded me that I actually went to go for a diving header and tripped and fell. So I thought I might as well just throw myself at this. And I just like, so I was like going forward and then I like tripped and then I started to stumble and I thought, nah, I'm going Mars anyway. So I just swung my leg at it and it went in and like about three of my pals, like, do you remember you scored a goal like that? And I was like, nah, he meant it, you know, I'm just trying not to fall over. <laughs> I, had a, I had a business idea for fives, right? So, and I think everyone who plays fives will agree with me on this, right? And I know some of them have already got this, but not enough, in my opinion. I live just down the road from a, a five, and I, I live near Goals, Scott. Mm-hmm. Um, the one at... Uh, the south side one. Shawlands, mate. Aye, aye. Yep. Um, and basically, if you, all the listeners are like, where the fuck is Shawlands? <laughs> it's down there. Um, but if you could put a camera in, right? So you put a camera in where the goals are, right? Now, like, I know that's done in some places, but then you charge for, like, the video of the game. Because I once scored a goal, and it was, like, some big fat lad that I worked with, right? And he was. He was a big fat lad. And he kicked the ball all the way up in the pit. You know, like, just, like, have it, sort of... um... John Smith. Ah, you like to wallop, like, straight in the air. And it came down, and it bounced once about six foot in the air. And as it came down, like, I hit it. And I accidentally hit it on the outside of my boot. (laughs) And it was like a 30 yards. Um, it was a, a kind of a bit like Tony Yaboa. Do you remember Tony Yaboa? Oh, yeah. I mean, probably not nice. quite as good. I've got to be honest. Yeah. If, what a uh, goal. But it was such a good goal that all the lads kind of went, Whoa, how'd you do that? And I kind of just went, shrugged my shoulders. I've just realized that I'm, I'm not <laughs> going to be putting this on camera. And um, <laughs> I did the Barini celebration. But if, if I'd got back in there, if I got back into fives and into goals and they'd gone, would you like a video of that game? It's £10. I would have bought that. And I'm, I'm not make somebody at the Stadium of Light and when I played on, on the pitch at the Stadium of Light and I set a goal up. Um, <clears throat> it took a few deflections on the way, to be fair. I'm not the best crosser of the ball. But I've got the video of me not making someone and it's great. I've got really long hair. I've got the Gareth Bale ponytail on it. It's brilliant, honestly. See, to be fair, apparently the, the place where we play 
uh, was taking over just before lockdown, about a year before lockdown, and they had big plans for, they were putting cameras up the side and stuff like that. See, see, when I go back to playing, we're not going to be wanting to see these videos because I'm going to do something brilliant. We're going to be wanting to see those videos just for an absolute laugh at me trying to play football for an hour at a time. You know, one of my other pals always says to me, there's no, you're so hard to defend against. And I'm like, mm, thanks very much. I'm quite good. And he's like, no, nah, because when you've got the ball, you don't know what you're going to do with it. So if you don't know what you're going to do with it, there's no chance that we know. So I'll maybe uh, I'll maybe get one of those videos when we get back to it and we can uh, I can share that with you. I think it's a good business idea. Um, just putting it out there. Um, Ian, what was your goal of the week? You're on mute. <laughs> well, uh, good stuff. Um, I've actually gone for the other, uh, the McGinn, and that's their Nile from um, they're the friendly they're today. So they're Northern Ireland against um, the USA. Oh, the Aberdeen lad. Yeah. Uh-huh. So just they, they were they, they, they were two nil down. It was just a, uh, a sort of consolation, but it was uh, yeah, just a nice a nice sort of finish from um, I think just inside the box. He just sort of sliced it in. It was lovely. Did they get beat um, again? Because that's 11 games now that he hasn't won that Northern yeah, Ireland. Barraclough, isn't it? Yeah. Um, however, the Gio Reyna scored for um, the, the USA, which 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 was nice. Son of a... Uh, son of a... Well, his dad was better. I don't care what anyone says. His dad was... I love Claudio mm-hmm. Reyna. What a yeah. player that guy was. Um, what's your goal of the week, Jack? My goal of the week was purely from a, um, a selfish perspective was Watkins' goal for um, for England because I had a little bet on England to win by more than four goals. Now the Watkins goal wasn't wasn't a very good goal at all, but well, I was starting to panic thinking. Well, it was alright, but I was starting to panic thinking I'm going to lose this back south of England. You know, it's it's going to be six, seven, eight, and when they had that many chances in the first half as well, I was thinking, yeah, it should still be alright. But then we only got one in the second half. Up until then, I was thinking this isn't going to come off. So thankfully, that fifth goal meant I won me bad. I didn't have a load on, I had a little bit of money on it. So thankfully, that was a good goal for me, just purely from a selfish perspective. If anyone's listening, please gamble responsibly. Um, <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. The time to stop is when you know that it's time to stop. Uh, or something that I can't remember the tagline. Does anyone wonder, right? Here's the thing, right? Obviously, Ed, you'll not, you'll not be aware of this, but we never put the video online. It's always just the audio. But at points in the podcast, Ian just wanders off for two minutes and he comes <laughs> back and I always wonder where he goes so Ian I'm going to bring you in here before I ask Ed for his goal of the week where is it you wander off to well well just now I just went there next door because I could hear um the, the uh the sort of tv going mm-hmm. um however I knew that um their Cindy was actually off to bed so I was like okay what's that noise but yeah she'd left the tv on so Burglars would never ever get you. Once we got, I used to live in South Shields, and this is a tangent. Um, but I live in. <laughs> this is I don't tell stories that well. So like, if you're listening, you think this is going to be a good story. Graham's going to get. I'm not because I never tell it well, but I'm telling it anyway. Um, so we got burgled. I got all my Christmas presents nicked. Right, some guy came in. With the, and we got burgled whilst we were in the house, right? He took me Sega Mega Drive, he took Street Fighter 2, he took me Dad's CDs, including a limited edition YouTube Joshua Tree, which is their only good album, um, and that was pinched. 
and all this stuff got nicked and we didn't have insurance. It was devastating, right? Absolutely. I cried my eyes out because it was January, just after Christmas. It was the worst. Um, so obviously emotionally scarred. Uh, and my dad um, started speaking to some people who kind of go like, how can you stop break-ins and stuff like that? And they said, well, what you do is you, you put coins on the window. So if you put coins on the window, when they're trying to like sneakily open the window, all the coins will bash off the floor. You'll hear the coins. You can run downstairs and you can bar them basically, um, which I don't think would have really happened because it would have still been three on one versus me dad and me at seven, which wouldn't have really worked. But um, my dad used to listen to really loud trance music, very different to me. So he used to have his headphones on, a bit like yours, Scott, a bit like pilot headphones. He used to put headphones on and he used to like sit in his chair, like in his dressing gown, just and you could see him doing that just like bopping his head away, right? So this one day I was like, oh, fucking hell, like knock on the door. Knock, knock, knock with me, mate. Knock, 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 knock. Nothing's coming. And also, better missed out. We went to Switzerland once and my dad thought it would be a great idea to get one of those sticks, you know, the pickaxe thing when you're going up the hills and stuff. So you can like, yeah, I don't know why. Just was like, oh, this is cool. Been to Switzerland, I'll get one of these. Um, my dad's like that. And... I thought he's not answering the door here. So and I could hear the music and I went, oh, he's got his music on, man. I I'll just go out the window. So you can see what's happening here. Um, so I goes to the window and I tapped it quite like aggressively so he would hear it over the noise. The coins drop, which I completely forget about. My dad, in just his dressing gown, basically runs at the window with the pickaxe thing at me and my like 12-year-old mate not really realizing who it was until he got to the window, just shouting, oh, come on, you bastards. Yes, come on. And then went, oh, you're right, son. And I was like, yep, I'm fine. Can you please answer the door? Um, and we never got burgled ever again. So yeah, there you go. You had to be there. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> it was very funny. If you knew me dad, the people that do know my dad will find that quite a funny story. Because um, he, yeah, anyway. Uh, my goal of the week was Christine Murray. Uh, Birmingham City this week I think they got beat 2-1 but it was like the epitome of top corner it was from like 16, 17 yards out but outside of the boot, top corner needs to open it off, great goal WSL been great this week, I could have chose a few goals um, Lauren Hemp great bit of skill before she scored um, not scored, sorry, it was Chloe Kelly that scored and another goal that was a great goal was uh, Haley Haley Rasso today beat about three players did a bit of a messy put in the bottom corner Everton won five nil today so if you don't watch the WSL this week is probably a good week to start um, but Ed what was your goal of the week? My well, I'm you mentioned your dad my dad's a proud Welshman and I think he got very excited when Harry Wilson scored the goal for Wales against Belgium which was a lovely move Gareth Bale was involved and he swished it in which obviously turned out to be a false dawn because Belgium came roaring back like the world's number one side and beat Wales. But it was a great goal and hopefully a good moment for Wilson because he's, he's, I know he's at Cardiff and, and doing quite well, but he's just come out of the picture for Liverpool and uh, be interesting to see what, what happens to him. But it's a, a lovely finish. Because he was doing well for Bournemouth last season and obviously Bournemouth went down. And I think as their form dipped, almost like he sort of went with it. Um, I didn't actually know he'd went to Cardiff, but he's, he's under a good manager there, Mick McCarthy, friend of the pod, Mick McCarthy, um, <laughs> as we all remember. Uh, Mick McCarthy is obviously doing a great job at Cardiff at the minute, isn't he? He is, yeah. I mean, it's been amazing since he's, he's gone in there that they've sort of roared up the table, haven't they, in, in the championship. And he could, I guess he could get promotion 
this season. There's talk as well, I think, of Liverpool maybe having a clear out because they need to finance a reboot after what's happened this season. Maybe Wilson will leave, maybe go to Cardiff, or maybe, like I say, what he did at Bournemouth last year, maybe get to a Premier League club because it's really weird. He's a lot younger than me, but suddenly he's 24, I looked up. So it's strange when you, you think young players and it's such a short career that, that maybe he needs, needs that move permanently. I still can't believe that Luke Shaw's only like 27 or something. I found mm. it out the other day and I was like, that's absolutely not true. Like, I just don't believe it. I want to go back to Roy Keane a little bit here, Ed. You've obviously been closer to, to Roy than any of us have ever been. And I've, I've asked Tom what he's like and Tom does the whole, ah, I don't have too much experience. But have you ever met Roy Keane yet, Ed? I haven't. Physic- I'm actually a Man United fan as well, but I haven't physically been in the same room as him. It's quite strange, actually. When they do Super Sunday, Graeme Souness seems to get sort of, he does his makeup in the gents' toilet. So often you come out of the loo and Graeme Souness is in there. And he, uh, he's just as passionate, actually, in random conversations about football as he is on screen. So it's quite funny. As a Man United fan, he's just telling me, so you think you're good, do you? And kind of like, and I'm saying, no, not really. No, it's a false, it's a false position in the league. I'm, I'm, happy, to, I'm happy to accept it. Um, but yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a proper like engaging character, like real powerful personality as he comes across on screen. And I imagine Roy Keane is, is probably quite similar, but it's a great dynamic between him and Micah Richards now as well. That, him and uh, Sunes and Richards is, is a great trio. Absolutely. One of the best things, I mean, there wasn't many good things that happened last year, so it's not like a, a high barometer, but probably the best thing that happened last year was Micah Richards meeting Roy Keane. Um, mm. And I'm sure as a, a colleague of Sky Sports, that's something you're going to 100% agree with. Yeah, I think it's I think it's brilliant chemistry because he's, he's a nice foil for Keane, isn't he? And he brings out, I think you realise that some of it, Keane's a bit of shtick that he just does and he's got that sense of humour as well. And he's got this Instagram account, hasn't he? Michael Richards has now persuaded him to get an Instagram account and it's all quite lighthearted and, and, and I think making fun of himself. So I think Keane, he's played a little bit of a character and he's, he's just poking fun of himself. And Richards has enabled him to do that, I think. And it's, it's good. It's good because I think people want to have fun and, and have a laugh as well. I think... Um... Another point I want to make about Sky Sports while I'm here, I kind of didn't mention it at Tom, and I probably should. I think I've mentioned it in passing in conversation, but not on the show. Um, Pete Graves and Keith Downey, Keith, as we will call him, <laughs> same person or different people? Well, yeah, they've got they've both got salt and pepper hair, haven't they? They've both got um, lovely beards as well, with the, with the grey just coming through, dazzling, dazzling gents. But allegedly, they are different people, but I think they like to play on people not knowing exactly who they are. So the Newcastle fans, when they get angry, can divert their attention to, to one of them or the other one. Keith, <laughs> 100% is the guy that's first in to get his makeup done. I can guarantee that because that tan that he's got yeah. and that, that hit that year. I reckon he gets a bit of like, have you seen those adverts on Instagram recently where you can fill your beard in more? You oh, yeah. Stick, yeah. He 100% yeah. does that, but he's got a grey one, I reckon. So he's got the nice little bit at the bottom and he's got the yeah. kind of black one to go around the side. Scott's got one, actually, Scott. I- I, I bought one of them, I did. Uh, it was shite. <laughs> it was like it completely, it was meant to be like matched to, had a bit longer uh, growth than what I've got now. And it was meant to be matched. Uh, and I probably would have been as well just using like a, a purple Crayola and just colouring in <laughs> the patch just there. So, uh, I've always... Women don't mind a bit of grey, I'm told. Well, yeah, I'm starting to get a bit of grey and I'm not going to lie, I quite like it. I'm getting a little bit, you can't really see it here. There's a little bit on the front yeah, of my temple, hair. Yeah. I'm quite a fan of it as a man who's just approaching 35. I think that's quite a handsome trait to have. Ian, um, how long have you been grey for? <laughs> <laughs> Since you took great. over Man United. I <laughs> We haven't got a David Moyes reference in yet. Ed, do you think Ian looks like David Moyes? Because we think he does. 
No, he's no. Not, Ian's, Ian's, I'm going to say Ian's a very, very good-looking man. Not too bad. <laughs> <laughs> he's got, no, he's very, he's very different, different colouring than David Moyes as well. I'd say. Yeah, I mean David Moyes is incredibly pale. Um, could be Casper, I think, couldn't he? Could be Casper. Oh, he is pale. David Moyes is very pale. I remember seeing that photo of him that was actually ended up being photoshopped of him playing at Dunfermline when his, like, he had, like, and it turned out it was photoshopped, but I never questioned if it was photoshopped <laughs> at any point. I was like, yeah, I can imagine he just looked like that. Uh, my, my distaste for David Moyes will um, never be able to be hidden, unfortunately. Um, we were, obviously, we're running out of time a little bit here. Um Moment of the week, I think we'll skip over this week because I think, um, just because we will. I wanted to touch on something different. As people know, we occasionally go into the who's your favourite Costa Rican player, who's your favourite Luxembourg player, which was my moment of the week, actually, Luxembourg beating Republic of Ireland, but there you go. Um, but I thought we'll change that. I think it's gone a bit stale. So let's we'll have a serious conversation about this. We've, we've looked at the best foreign import and we said of the Premier League era but to be fair to Scott you watch a lot more Scottish Premiership so Scott's going to go Scottish Premiership and the rest of us are going to go probably Premier League unless you feel like a championship player has been better which I doubt um, but Scott I'll come to you first then because we could get quite an interesting answer here who's the best foreign import you've ever seen in the Scottish Premiership? In my time it actually ties in with the English Premier League as well but in my time it's Henrik Larson, <clears throat> no doubt um, oh, here, man. No, Correct. I'm not, no, I'm not selling Correct. Just no. like, honestly, I mean, listen, Graham, you know me. Uh, I've seen seen players like Brian Loudrop, um, you know, Henry Larson. Now that's a player, you know, Brian, Brian Loudrop's a player. Lubo, Lubo Moravchik, Stan no, Petrov, yes. you know, yes. you know, see, you know, the Amoruso, I like Amoruso, George Alberts, I've, I've watched all these guys, uh, and we're thinking about... I hope Motherwell get relegated, just because was, you've mentioned far too many Celtic players on our podcast, you're never I, coming back, stop. I, I was just going to say, not, none of them are as good as the imported Simon Ramsden, who came through Rochdale, right, but <laughs> obviously, <laughs> obviously, but... Um, Friend of the pod, Simon Ramsden. Friend of the pod, much. Simon Ramsden, but there's a, there's a particular reason why I went for Henry Larson, because... Obviously, I'm thinking it it's going hair? to be someone, and it's not his hair, no. No, no it's not. It's, uh, <laughs> it's his, his Champions League winner's medal and his spell at Old Trafford after he left yeah. Celtic. Because so many people give it the whole, uh, he's done it in Scotland, but he can't do it anywhere else because my granny could score in Scotland. Well, he'd done it in Scotland for 10 years, whatever. Went to Barcelona, won a Champions League, and then went to Old Trafford on loan after that and showed that even towards the, the twilight East career that he was still good enough to play in leagues which let's be honest are better than the, the Scottish Premier League and purely because the evidence is there and that's why I went for Henrik however here's a point Chris Boyd scored more goals in the Scottish Premiership than him you've been playing about 200 more games come on <laughs> I don't think that matters Jack I don't think that matters at all. Well, uh, I mean, if, if, if we're going down that route, then uh, Louis Moke's a better player than Chris Boyd. So, we, you know, we could be here, we could be here all day. On this, on this topic, though, we've said Ian looks like David Moyes for weeks. Scott and Chris Boyd, before Chris Boyd. Before his hair transplant, eh? Yeah. <laughs> if you could just do one of those smiles, those big cheesy smiles like Rangers have just won and Selig have just... Yeah, I'm, there we go. I'm, I'm, I'm not smiling for that, no chance. <laughs> Um, I, I think for me, best for an import. And what prompted this question was someone the other day said, and to be fair, he got pelters for it, but it was, what is your unpopular opinion? And he said that Dennis Bergkamp was like a good player or was the best for an import or something like that. 
Um, and he got pelters for it. But I was kind of like, well, that kind of proves that it's an unpopular opinion, which is kind of what's been asked for. So I think it was Phil West who gets a few pelters because um, he has got some outlandish opinions. But to be fair, that was asked for to be his unpopular opinion. So Phil, I'm, I'm team Phil. Um, if you get asked an unpopular opinion and then you give a popular opinion, it kind of doesn't work. Um, so the fact that he answered Dennis Bergkamp is his opinion and it's unpopular. So I don't get why people are angry about that. But anyway, he was wrong because um, Dennis Bergkamp is far and wide the classiest player that I've ever seen um, in the Premier League. And I know there's Henri, I know there's Ronaldo, and I've seen some really, really good plays um, throughout the Premier League era. But I don't think anyone touched for me the class and the style and the elegance of Dennis Bergkamp and the amount of times he redid it. I remember he scored a goal at Roker Park when I was 11. And it was in the FA Cup and he dragged it back and he just curled a shot in the top corner. Ian's probably the only one old enough to remember this. Um, yeah, I remember that. Oh, that what a goal it was. Do you remember the uh, whole of, I think it was the Roker end. I'm sure it was the Roker end he scored in. Like the whole of the Roker end just clapped it. They were just like, there's nothing you can do about that. But to be fair, God rest, I was going to say God rest his soul, he's not dead. Um, <laughs> he's still very much alive, by the way, at the time of recording. Um, but God, news. Yeah, yeah, Burkham's not dead. Um, but God, God bless him is what I meant to say. He ended up scoring a miles better goal at St. James's Park, um, which was just lovely to see. The way he just made Nikos Dabazas look like he wasn't even there. Um, tremendous. So Dennis Burkamp. Um, and also because he knocked Argentina out when it just after knocked us out. And that was a really good Saturday, I think, or Sunday in my house. And the control to bring the ball down the last minute. Um, there's the Dutch commentary of that. I was just going to say, Dennis Bergkamp, Dennis Bergkamp, Dennis Bergkamp, Dennis Bergkamp, Dennis Bergkamp. It was just <laughs> brilliant, brilliant commentary. And he was kind of one of those players. I was, I was really lucky enough to see him when he was at Inter in 95. Um, my dad took us... Um, just not long after he got burgled um, <laughs> to, 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 to the San Siro. <laughs> um, and I went to see Inter versus Sampdoria. And he was, I just remember being like totally in awe of him, even then. And then obviously when Sunderland got in the Premier League and he, he played against us with Arsenal and things like that. Um, funnily enough, though, he did once score an own goal. Oh, no, that was Tony Adams. Tell a lie. We won 1-0 the week before he scored that goal. And it was Tony Adams' own goal. Tony Adams, probably one of the best defenders I've seen in in the Premier League as well, but not foreign, so it doesn't matter. It's not, not important in this case. Ian, um, who is your, who's your vote for the best foreign import in the Premier League? Um, oh, well, this is an interesting one. And uh, technically, it's before the Premier League, so he arrived the season prior to it in uh, 1991. That still uh, counts. I'm still going to take it. That still counts. However, this man is an absolute uh, legend with um, over 350 Premier League appearances, five their titles, one FA Cup and one Champions League, and that is Peter Schmeichel. Absolutely superb. Good shout. Very good shout. I think I feel like Peter Schmeichel's kind of not... People don't think of him as much, but if you're putting together the greatest ever Premier League team, if you've asked your friend, your family, people, but tell, me that, tell me how many times he appears in seconds as your number one. If you're picking your best ever Premier League team or your Premier League era, he's number one every time, isn't he? There's no one be better yeah. than Like, no oh, yeah. way here. And that was it. I mean, I was, uh, you know, I'm, I am old enough, you know, to remember, uh, you know, all that way back and how sort of fresh it was. And he was, yeah, he was uh, the bedrock of that side. You know, a side that was, you know, to be fair, that was actually bursting with, 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 um, 
they're sort of British, yeah. they're sort of talent, but you know, he was a, he was their number one, you know, great saves all the time, you know, saved them so many points. Just absolutely brilliant. People forget how long it took Manchester United to replace Peter Schmeichel. People forget that um, because they've had like De Gea for so long, who I know is debatable whether people think he's good or not. I personally think he is, but he's capable of a howler. But when you think of how many goalkeepers it took to replace Schmeichel, it was Bosnich, I think, at first. Mm-hmm. Then it was Bartes. And Bartes was funny. And another person that Scott looks like. Um, <laughs> um, and then it was uh, Massimo Taibi for a game. Yeah. Oh God, Massimo Taibi! And then I think Roy Carroll came in after that. Actually, it took them that long to replace him. I can't remember who replaced Peter Schmeichel. Who was the first worthy Van replacement? Van der Sar. Van der Sar. Yeah. Van der Sar. Yeah, I think Ferguson admitted he said we didn't really replace him. They had Tim Howard, didn't they? And Carroll and Bartes and. But I think that was when United really hit the top again when they started challenging on for Europe for European honors when they got under. So is this truth or a myth? Did Tim Howard have Tourette's? But apparently, yeah. I heard that. Yeah. That was the truth, I think. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I heard this. I heard he had like ticks that were uncontrollable in the in the um the tunnel and stuff like that. I'd be quite interested to know how he overcame that because I think he does punditry in America and stuff now, and he's never I mean, as far as my way, he hasn't said fuck a bugger. Um, last time I was Is she not live um, on Channel 4? <laughs> yeah. please, not, please not say fuck a bugger. Um, no, God, think, that's your narration. Yeah, yeah too right. I think you get so many different versions. You don't always get there, the sweary one. So <laughs> <laughs> That is true, actually. Yeah. yeah. So you get sometimes it's just physical sticks, isn't it? It just, yeah. for some reason, when you think of Tourette's, you just think of the words fuck and bugger. Um, <laughs> It's good job I don't have to bleep things out, but then I decided when most of us come from Scotland, it's probably a better idea just not to bleep it out and just say that swearing <laughs> is allowed on the podcast. Um, Jack, who was your foreign import? Who do you think is the best? Well, I'm going to kind of give a few answers. Sorry, Graham, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hog it again. So the, 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 three, the three players that I actually applauded at the stadium are like physically applauded watching against my team. One was Sergio Aguero who absolutely tortured us one night for Man City against um, against us. I think he scored a hat-trick. Just 4-1. movement was unbelievable. Might have been four, yeah. I just remember it applauding. Um, second one was Cristiano Ronaldo, played against us for Man United. Boxing Day. Boxing Day. Yeah. Scored that, that free kick. And I remember... Free kick in the top corner from about 35 yards. It was dot on half time, I remember. Like I said to the lad next to me, Paul, I says he's going to... like The way he's been playing, he's going to bang this in the top corner. And he went, I know he is. And he was about 35 yards out. And he took yeah. two steps straight in the top corner. We both went, oh, we said that was going to happen. But he just it admired it, speed. didn't he? It was the speed at which it went in. I couldn't even to go in at like 50, 60, 70 miles. And I was like unbelievable. Just like bang straight in. Um, and then the third one was Thierry Henry for Arsenal, who I, I physically, every time he was getting a corner and a free kick, the whole of the, it was a 15-point season. We went down with 15 points. Mm-hmm. Um, and every time he was getting a corner and a free kick, and any time he was even the Sunderland fans were just applauding how good of a player he was. But, I know I've said three answers, it's not them. My The one in terms of impact was Eric Cantona. I'm going to say Eric Cantona. Um, because I think that you, you touched on Schmeichel, and I think they, they were key foreign players for Man United that came in um, and just lifted them from nearly winning winning trophies to then be, being the finished article. And I think we don't in as English would as English and British culture we don't like arrogance, but I think when someone's as arrogant and as good as Eric Cantona, I think they kind of get away with it. Um, yeah. And I thought the seagulls in interview when he said, you know, uh, <laughs> when the seagulls follow the trawler, that's iconic. It'll go down. 
that will go down as part of the fabric of the Premier League, won't it? Let's be honest, when yeah. you think about Premier League moments, it'll go down as part of the fabric, fabric of the Premier League. Um, and I thought the goal he scored against Sunderland, even though it was against us when he chipped, he chipped, was it Lionel Perez? Lionel Perez. Perez. Yeah. To and be he, fair, Perez was five foot nine, three or seven. Yeah, and I, yes. the way yeah. we just stood and like, looked as if to say, like, uh, did you just see that? Do you know what I mean? As if to say, like, how mint of our... I think that... I, I'm arrogant when you're that good. I, I don't mind that. The thing technique. is, he, he beat about five players to chip that ball as well. Like, it was kind of the movement before where he kind of, like, turns and twists and then just goes, right, I can do him from here. And to be fair, anyone who's listening who's not a Sunderland fan, Lionel Perez was shit. Um, like, <laughs> he, like, he really was. And I know some people, people liked him because of his character. And he seemed like a lovely lad, but he wasn't very good. I, I certainly didn't think so. Got that banger at Wembley. Do you remember that banger at Wembley when he came out for that? Richard, Richard Rufus. Rufus. And he got Richard absolutely Rufus. nowhere near it. I watched it again the other night. And honestly, I could still kill him now. I could still kill him now. Had a good perm, though. Very nice hair. <laughs> he used to get his hair done at... Um, Oh man, what's the guy's name? I totally forget. Really famous Sunderland hairdresser. He used to do all the lads' hair, but he used to always go and get his hair done. It was on Blanford Street. He used to he used to own a hairdresser on Bl- Neville Ramsey. That's it. Aye. Neville Ramsey. Aye. Aye, aye. Neville Ramsey used to do his hair. Um, aye. I don't know what ever happened to Neville Ramsey. I wonder where he is. Um, anyone knows? Please, please let us know. Um, I was going to say write in. I don't know where you would send that to. Um, so obviously, special guest always gets the the final say here. Um, so. I have a feeling you might agree with one or two of them, Ed, but who, who's your best foreign import of the Premier League era? Well, I'm a Man United fan, and as a kid, Canton was the, the key because, you know, right, he wasn't maybe on paper the greatest player um, in the Premier League in terms of stats, but the fact that that 92-93 season, he came halfway through and was kind of the catalyst for the club. You never, you don't know if we'd have won the 13 league titles after that or even the Champions Leagues that he wasn't a part of just because he built that base and helped the, the class of... 92 come through but as Jack stole my thunder a bit with that maybe go across across Manchester and, and say David Silva because I remember when City put five past us in 2011-12 that seemed to be a huge turning point for them and it was a horrible horrible day for me but Silva with Aguero and Vanson company I suppose was was the architect but I remember him, I thought it was kind of a skillful but maybe average winger for Spain and then when he came to the Premier League he just became, you know, just this intelligent, creative player, like the modern player and, and, and tore us apart that day in a really intelligent and uh, destructive way. So I think maybe Silver as Cantona has been taken. I'm not going to lie, as a Man United fan, I'm really disappointed you didn't say uh, John O'Shea was the greatest Premier League player <laughs> of all time. If we're class yes. Republic of Ireland as Does he count? a foreign import, I would count him. But John O'Shea, to me, John O'Shea always counts. He always counts. Yeah. Um, that goal against Arsenal was good. Yeah, last minute. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, think he, I think he dined out on that one for a while, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He's one of those players, John O'Shea, though, wasn't he? He was a great player when he started at left-back, a bit like Phil Neville, but then he never nailed down a position. And I think sometimes he... But then he ended up a centre-half, didn't he? Pretty much, sent, you know, regular centre-half. So it's, it's interesting how his career went. For us, I think he played one game at left-back and that was at St. James's Park and won the last minute. So everyone remembers the one game John O'Shea played at left-back. <laughs> wasn't, wasn't quick enough to play full, but was he, John O'Shea? Mm-hmm. I remember coming up against a couple of wings and being like, nah, it's he like, needs to get yeah. it's like like... running in treacle. I remember he came <laughs> yeah. up against uh, his debut. He played right back against Jefferson Montero, who was one of the, the fastest players yeah. like, in the Premier League at the time. And that was just like, he's like seven yards in front of him here. Yeah. Like, I would probably put him at centre half and allow him to read the game from the back. I think that would be a better idea. Uh, but I actually preferred Wes Brown. I know that's blasphemy, but I thought Wes Brown was a far agree. better defender uh, for all injuries. 
I think he would have done a lot more than he did. And he did an awful lot, to be fair. And another yeah. friend of the pod, um, got a lot of them in. If you haven't listened to the West Brown episode, there's a two-parter. Back in season one, it's episode 23, no, 20, 21 <laughs> and 24, I think. Um, there's a two-parter there with time at Manchester United and also his time at Sunderland. If you don't listen to it, then fine. Um, Ian, you were going to say something. Let, let's, yes. let's, Ian, you're going to get the final word because you never, you, 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 you never get the final word. Just to back up on um, Ed and um, the Jack, really, with uh, Vessel Cantona, but to go just before the Premier League, um, Cantona was, uh, I think he was at Sheffield Wednesday originally in England, and he went to Leeds, won the last um, the sort of Division One yeah. you know, championship, as we know it, under one of our very favourite Sunderland managers, Howard Wilkinson. <laughs> and that's definitely, definitely time to end the episode when we've got on Howard Wilkinson because we've got another hour's worth of content coming from that. But uh, <laughs> thanks, as always, for joining us uh, this week. If you have, all 10 of you, uh, we really appreciate it. If we can get that to 11 and tell your mates to subscribe or listen or just do something um, that ends up in you <laughs> listening to the podcast, that'd be great. If you don't, it's completely fine. My life won't really change. Um, but Scott, did you enjoy your uh, ramblings this week? I've calmed down a wee bit from Matt Hancock. I, I felt I went a bit kill Pilkington with that, so I have calmed down. I've taken a couple of chill pills, so yeah, I, it was good. I enjoyed it. Did Scotland end up drawing? Because you've been watching the game during, obviously, 1-1. Aye, there wasn't nothing much in the second half, really. Um, well, certainly after we equalised, there wasn't, wasn't much of note, really. Too many solid players in the squad. Ian, have you enjoyed your week? Yeah, yeah, it's been good. Uh, yeah, just to um, round off, I've got a carrier bag full of um, their sort of nettles that I'm just a bit of grasp in. Uh, <laughs> working so I'm just going to sign off like that. Oh, God, I love Howard Wilkinson. Hey, Jack, you had a good week? Yeah, that was good. I enjoyed it. Plenty of banter going about, yeah. Banter? Um, Ed, <laughs> thanks as always for joining us, mate. I hope that you had as much fun as obviously we did. Um, I'm not sure if anyone else listening to this is going to be having as much fun, but I hope you did. I did, yeah. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to be here. As I say, when I dialed in, I wasn't sure we'd have enough material, but thanks to Matt Hancock and everything else, <laughs> seemed to, uh, to round it off. Been international football week, but yeah, it was it was a pleasure. I wasn't sure where we were going down at, at certain points, but yeah, it was uh, it was a very rounded conversation. Pretty that, good politics the, and the wonder of this else. podcast is you never know where we're going to go either. We have a, a genuine structure, but we end up going from Vora Rangers to Matt Hancock. Lee Catamore pin badges so yeah uh, that's kind of just our style I guess but thanks very much for listening everyone fucking subscribe now um, you don't have to but please do and join us again next week when we'll be chatting more shite